Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Jessica Dumas Coaching and Training and the Confidence and Communication Podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, The Johnston Group, Inc. The Johnston Group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love, healing, and growth out to a greater audience. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming back today. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you coming and listening because that helps support the work that I do. I really appreciate that. I have a guest today. This is a friend of mine that you're going to hear from. Her name is Heather Woodward. She is the founder of RKW Wellness and she's a retired social Retired? No, she's not retired. She's, I don't leave this on there because that's funny. She's a registered social worker. She's got a master's degree based in Indigenous knowledge from the University of Manitoba and a bachelor's degree in social work from the University of Manitoba inner city campus. So she has been in social work for 25 years and um, I've known her for a handful of years. I, I don't know how many years, but since I have known her, Our relationship has gone through different phases. She has come to me for coaching. I've gone to her for therapy. And now we're just friends and we just, we get together and we help support each other. One thing that keeps me coming back to Heather is this thesis that she has written. It's called Holistic Self-Care for the Social Worker. In short, Helping the Helper. And I love this concept. I love the study that she's done. I love... I haven't read the thesis, but I have the link in the notes of this podcast. So you can you can read it. I can read it like I didn't know that was even a thing, but I have the link to it. And I also have in the show notes a link to an article that was published by CTRI Institute and it's called Three Self-Care Strategies for Helpers. And it's just really incredible. I really admire Heather. I love the work that she does. And uh, Heather, thank you so much for being on my podcast. We have a great conversation to share with you. And Heather's going to talk about her theory of connecting four realms of health and what she practices with her clients. We have some prompts for you to check in on your own self-wellness and self-work. One of the things that we talk about that I really want to highlight is how important it is to know yourself. That's something that I've talked about as well in my coaching But it's some prompts for you to just kind of touch base and check in on where you're at with, you're probably a helper in in many different ways, right? We're helpers as coaches, teachers, parents, women, everything. And so I think that you'll really enjoy this. I think that some of the prompts that we talk about in the session will really give you an opportunity to just do that check-in, check the scoreboard. Okay, enjoy. I love you and come back next week. See you then. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm really excited to jump into your experience, what you have to share with 
listeners and like what you're sharing in your profession when it comes to self-care for caregivers. And let me, the the proper word that I want to talk about is you have a thesis that you've written. I want you to tell me about that. It's called the holistic self-care for the helper slash social worker. I don't know when it was done. You and I have been friends for years and have gotten a lot closer in the last few years. And I've asked you to be on the podcast when I started <laughs> and we're finally getting around to it. So yes, thank yes. you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is like we said in the intro before we were recording, I'm, I'm nervous because I have known you for a really long time and we have gotten a lot closer and I really admire what you do. I admire the confidence that you have and the work that you're doing. And I think I'm doing similar work in a therapeutic way in my office and in my private practice. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yay, yay. And we had a, a beginning conversation like again, one of many where we're like, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) There's so many things that we could talk about, but I love the work that you do. And I love the idea of helping the helper. And so I just want to invite you to share, you know, where did that come from? All of it. So who are you? Who am I? Still trying to figure that one out, but I'm getting a little closer on the journey, I think. So I know today we're talking about my thesis, which I actually finished writing and defended and graduated from my master's of social work based in Indigenous knowledge here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I finished that in 2019, but I will tell you that that's not where it started and that is not where it has ended. And so being able to carry it forward is extremely important to me. And finishing that thesis actually was another pivotal moment in the helping work that I do. So I'm going to go backwards a little bit and take me, you know, a shorter version or take you to that place where I kind of started in this work. So I was doing a little bit of a timeline before getting ready for this podcast. And I have now been in the helping field for close to 25 years, which blew me away when I was writing that out in the numbers, which makes me feel a little bit older, but also pretty damn proud of the things I've been able to do. Yeah. So yeah, I started in uh, 1998, 1999 in a program called Child and Youth Care Worker. And like I've told you many times before, when I came into the field, I originally didn't want to come into this field. I wanted to be a school teacher. I wanted to do education. I wanted to be in a classroom with little kids and teaching. And I quickly realized in high school that you need to know all subjects for that, specifically math. And I can't do math. I can't do numbers. I can't do anything about numbers. And so my uh, my high school dreams were a little bit crushed around not being an educational formal teacher. And so I found myself looking through this catalog at Red River and it said child and youth care worker. And I remember it so clearly the scripture or the little write up in the program said working with at risk and troubled teens. And I thought to myself, my naive 19 year old self, I was like, oh, how hard could that be? <laughs> and I- Oh, that's funny. Right. So I was like, oh, how hard could that be? Sign myself up. And so I did. I signed up to this program and it was a two-year program. And I remember reading the books and answering the questions and writing the tests and doing all this stuff. And I thought, wow, I'm so smart. And man, I know so much stuff. I'm like this wisest (laughs) 19-year-old, 20-year-old. And then I went into what's called the front lines. I went in to the work. This is where it really began. I didn't know it then, but now I was like, oh, now I know. 
So I went and I had the honors and privilege of working at a group home, which is a residential treatment facility for teenage girls who could not live with their families for whatever reasons they were part of the child welfare system. And so I went into this group home and it had eight teenage girls at the time. So 12 to 17 year old teenage girls. And I'm 19. They're 12 to 17. And I'm thinking, I know everything. I think I'm super smart. I think I have answers for their problems. I think I know them. Oh yeah. Like I was very confidently naive. <laughs> so, right. And I remember walking into this group home kind of with this like idea, like, yeah, I got this. And you know what? I will never forget it. I was in that group home for years and I loved every minute, but those girls schooled me left, right, and center up and down. They taught me, I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. I knew absolutely nothing. And in hindsight, now I realize I didn't know who I was. I went in this with idea of like what I thought I was supposed to be, all the things I thought I should be, but I didn't know who I was. So I stayed in that group home for a little while and uh, kind of moved on the whole time, actually avoiding being, and I'm doing air quotes, social worker, because here in Manitoba, social workers have a very, very negative connotation. They're not very, I don't know what the word is. They're, they're what? <laughs> they're not very liked. They're not very liked. (laughs) The idea of social workers are not very liked. And that comes with a long history of colonialism and and child welfare. And that's a podcast for another time. But so I never wanted to be a social worker. I was just trying to be a helper. And so I kept moving in my career, doing things, just being a helper. That's all I called myself. I had many mentors along the way, but I found in my career, I couldn't move anywhere. If I didn't have this degree, if I didn't have these fancy letters behind my name, I wasn't able to move anywhere. And so I finally uh, bit the bullet and went and got my bachelor's in social work program. But I did that nights and weekends for six years while working full time and having two babies along the way. And again, it was like so much learning and so much school and so much knowledge. But my undergrad is where things really started to change for me. And I really started to hear the history of our Canada and what happened with our First Nations and Indigenous peoples here and where I sat in that and who I am. And again, probably a whole other podcast of how uncomfortable I was in hearing this being a non-Indigenous or white settler occupier here in Canada, specifically Treaty 1. And and I got really uncomfortable and I went all kinds of places. But I was avoiding trying to be me because what I was hearing was as being a white female social worker was bad. And so I ran away from that. I didn't want to be that. So I found myself grabbing onto other things, other ways of knowing other cultures, almost to the other spectrum where I was appropriating, right? Trying to be all these things, specifically indigenous things, because that's the environment I was working within. I was working with a lot of indigenous folks. I was seeing and hearing things about their ways. My brain started to romanticize stuff. And so it was like, well, if my culture and I am a bad person, then I should take something that's better than me. Right. And again, this is all a learning curve. And I'm sharing with humility and a lot of vulnerability, because I know it's going to resonate with some people in in this podcast. And I know it's going to activate some people in this podcast. And so I'm trying to be very kind, but also be really honest. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so what I realized, and I use my humor, and I use it with you all the time is I can't be indigenous. I, I can't be I can't be anything other than who I am. And for me, That was the beautiful moment in being invited into many different ways of knowing and learning and connecting and seeing. It was about, well, go figure out who you are then. 
right? And so getting kicked back to my culture, my ways of knowing my being and learning about who I am and where I come from was extremely pivotal for the work that I was doing. Because if I'm working with people, walking with people on their journeys of trauma and healing, I need to know myself. That's the only person I can know. And if I want to help other people really embrace their story, I better damn well know my own story. So that's been kind of like the background to where I got to. But the thesis came in 2017. I really wanted to do a holistic wellness uh, self-care model for the teens I was working with at the time. I was frontline doing a lot of therapy out in the communities with high-risk teens and families. And I really wanted to do like a self-care holistic model for them. But then in 2017, I had a really tragic incident happen within my own family, within my own network, where I experienced suicide extremely close and involving the system. And I saw how the system treated the social workers when when a tragedy happened. So without giving too many details, a young person died by suicide in 2017. And the system, the agency said, she's not your biological child. She's not your blood relative. You are expected to be back at work tomorrow. Right. Who are you to mourn this? Yeah. You don't get a bereavement day. This was not your child. This was not your family. But when you've worked with that person, you know, for five to 10 years, they've become Mm -hmm. important to you. Right. Which is is an indigenous way of being. Yeah. I just want to say, I appreciate you being open and sharing. And we've talked about your story several times and in, in many ways and laughed and cried and talked. In yeah. But I also want to acknowledge that you have foundational friendships in the community that have helped you foster that journey for yourself in identifying who you are. And I love I love that you shared that. Like, I need to know who I am because so many people, like we grow up and we, I remember this point when I was young and I thought everything that I needed to be taught about who I need to be is going to be taught to me. Everything I needed to know. And I was starting to realize, wait a second, there's a lot of things I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so it really comes down to, identifying who you are, where you you came from, why you're experiencing things the way that you are experiencing them right now. And then what are you going to do about it? And I really love how your journey came around to like looking at others in the profession who are of all race and culture. And like, how are we supporting each other not just as social workers, I'm assuming, but as caregivers and that extends so far away from just the profession of being a a social worker. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like, you have to know who you are. You have to, right. But that's not something I was taught in my undergrad. That wasn't something I was taught in the child and youth care worker program. It was all about use these skills, use these tools, know this theory to help others, AKA fix others, but you can't, you can't help others. You can't fix others, especially if you don't know yourself and your own truths, right? And so you have to look, you have to always look inward and do that work. And so yeah, so 2017, I experienced this tragedy, and I saw the way that 
agency was treating the social workers. I wasn't directly involved as I wasn't a social worker on that case. I was a community member, almost like an auntie for this young person who had died. And so I knew in that moment, I needed to change my thesis from working with the youth to working with the helpers. Because it was in that moment, along with all the other parts of my story, which I probably don't have time for today, but I've gone through burnout. I've gone through vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue. And that's another part of like the, my thesis interweaves in that. For me, it was those moments where I started to connect going, well, no wonder I'm stressed out. No wonder I'm all these things because this is the way we're treated as helpers, right? And that holistic wellness for helpers was who helps us? Right. We're so busy helping other people that we never stop to take care of ourselves. And so, of course, my journey was coaching mm-hmm. and um, and finding ways through through therapy and through you know lots of other ways. But coaching was the thing that I found yeah. like this is my thing. Yeah, and I found the same thing for myself was I wanted to help other people. Yeah, and. I wanted to help them feel loved and confident and love themselves and all of that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I realized like, holy shit, as you're on the journey, like, I don't know if I loved myself. Right. There were times where yeah. I fucking hated myself. I hated, but I hated my life and I needed to yeah. love myself. And so yeah. I'm sure that's what you're finding with yeah. social, other, other social workers, other helpers. But like, what was that journey like for you? Uh, it was eye opening. It was eye-opening, and I, I guess the word would be a hypocrite. <laughs> I guess I was being a hypocrite, but I was following the way I was taught in social work is, you know, have your very strong boundaries. You never get connected with the client. It's not about you. Don't let them know about you. You're learning all of these skills to help them. They're the ones who need it. It was never about do it yourself. Sure, we had to write a couple self-reflection papers, but to be honest, I bullshitted my way through those because I was like, I don't want to look at myself. I'm here to fix other people's problems. Right. I'm a fixer. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm a did I not tell you I'm a helper? I'm a fixer. I can do this. But I was actually now in hindsight, I realized I was avoiding it because just like my clients or the folks I walk with and the folks you get to walk with and coach, you realize this is that looking inward is the hardest part right. of all of this. Until comes the burnout, the yeah. fatigue, the, so the you're trauma. sick. Yeah. 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 And for me, it was, I got really, really sick. And that even started back in 2018. I had to go through lots of specialist appointments. They were looking for Crohn's and for colitis and cancer and celiacs. And I was emotional. I was crying. I couldn't hold food down. I wasn't sleeping, all of these things. And I couldn't connect that physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, I wasn't connected. I literally just thought there was something medically wrong with me. But nowhere along the journey did anyone ever say to me, hey, you know what, you actually need to slow down and take care of yourself. It was always about you need to take that crisis call. You need to go do this. Did you do your report? You're working 24 hours. Maybe you have to answer your phone all the time, right? Like all of these expectations. And so I hope your listeners know too, when I say helpers, like I have a social work degree but I think helpers come in all shapes and forms. And I don't, I don't isolate this just to being a social worker. You can be a caregiver. You could be a parent. You could be caring for a loved one. You could be doctors, nurses, lawyers, community members. Like, I mean, I think we're all helpers in a way. And it really ties into that holistic caring for ourselves. We just don't seem to know how to do it the way we do it for others. And I think one of the reasons why when 
I first started to learn about your thesis and of course my listeners will know and you know that I don't have a university degree university education so sometimes even that language to me I'm like am I saying it right I don't know yeah (laughs) you don't have fancy letters behind your name except for uh Except for it's called lived life experience. You've got a PhD in life. And I own it now, right? You I never do. Think, I never yeah. used to think that it was worthy until I started yeah. meeting some very stupid, educated people. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm fucking brilliant, yeah. actually. <laughs> you are. You but are. when I started digging into and like trying to understand your thesis and having more conversations, because I feel like I've brought up your thesis in our conversations <laughs> more than you have. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. And, and the, what stands out to me is, and I'll use the example of being a single parent and just being a mom in general, being women in general, is we're mm. taught to give, 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 put others first. Yeah. And if you put yourself first, you're selfish. And that's yeah. really where I feel the connection goes like yeah. viral. Helpers are extended all across, like the oldest daughters in the families, right? That's who I am. And yeah. I was taught to take care of everybody else. And I had to yeah. really rewrite yeah. my own identity in order to give myself permission to love myself. And that that's the hard work. That's huge. And even when you say rewrite your identity, that's one of the notes I made for today is because in order for you to actually rewrite your identity, you have to start with the like, what is my story? Right. Like, what is it? So almost record yourself saying your story or write it down or make it a poem or artwork. What Mm. is this? What is this narrative I've been carrying? Right. And then, okay. Do I want to rewrite it? What parts do I want to rewrite? Oh, I never knew that part of me. Oh, why do I keep saying this one part of my story over and over again? But I think a lot of us have a hard time even starting with what is, what is my story? Right. Because that involves looking inward. That involves taking five minutes away from helping everybody else and acknowledging ourselves. And that message of, wow, you're so selfish. Like, wow, look at you sitting there on a Sunday doing journaling when you should be dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Mel Robbins has this, and I've never read her books, but I listened to her podcast and she has this, a high five, she calls it. Yeah. Herself a high five in the mirror. And yeah. she said, it sounds easier. Like just try it. And yeah. I'm someone who does mirror work all the time. Like I, I love talking to myself in the mirror. That was one thing that was really helpful for me to see here communicate with myself on a level and so I thought well I'm going to do the high five because it's it seems fucking silly so but I I did it and there really is like you really have to go to a deeper connection to authentically do that and it just really amplifies and emphasizes self-work is so hard so So and I do some self-work with my clients and there are times where I try to gently tell them like if you need to seek other help if you need to seek a professional therapist or psychologist like that's out of my hands I'm not that I feel like some people are afraid to go to therapy to reach out so many people are scared to go to therapy so many people and I was one of them so 
part of my career, or most of my career was actually frontline on the streets, in the hospitals. I oversaw a whole violence intervention program in our trauma hospital here. I hadn't actually ever really sat in an office and, and did therapy work until the last, I guess, seven or eight years. The work I was doing was more of what's called an action therapy model, where we were working with teens and families out in the community while moving. So a lot of the work I did was I was doing therapy, which would be talking and expressing motions and connecting. But I did that while kickboxing with young girls, while walking out in the bush, while going to different community gatherings or different things like that. So bringing things into the office and becoming, and I'm going to do my air quotes again, but your podcast can see it therapy, people are scared. I was scared because you see so much stuff in the TVs and on the movies that therapy is so like official and so formal. And I have a lot of um, judgments, I guess, or narratives in my head that I've had to break through. But you see things in therapy where people, you know, if, if you're the client and I'm the therapist, it starts off with like this, oh, good morning, Jessica. Thank you for coming today. That is so brave of you to come to therapy. And we see that type of um, like an analog or dialogue happening in the movies. And and I think a lot of people are like, ooh, this feels so awkward. Yeah, it's so, it's like too gentle. Yeah, or like the clipboard and pen. Yeah. No one talks to me like that. Like I'm really scared right now. I, I, Yeah. yeah. And for some people, that's their jam and that works for them and that's what they need. But again, I'm going to connect it back. You have to know yourself, right? And so- when I do therapy, you've seen me talk in the office with you, but you've also seen me like kind of interact with other people. And even just today, I, I'll say to my psychology today profile, I'm a little bit rough around the edges. I'm very straightforward. I use a lot of humor. She shows um, up in uh, jeans and a hoodie. <laughs> I'm jeans and a hoodie kind of a gal. Sometimes my hair is done. Sometimes it's not, you know, and people have, because I ask people, what made you want to reach out to me? because I'm all about the right fit. And I know that's a privilege as well. We don't always have the option to have the right fit. There's huge weight lines and all that type of stuff. But if you're about to start walking on that journey of what is your story, good, the bad and the ugly, right? And you want to start picking apart, unpacking, healing from that story, you've got to be comfortable with the person you're with. Right. And I don't mean comfortable as in, oh, they, they don't make you feel feelings. It, it doesn't feel awkward. I think comfortable means you're prepared to walk that journey with them. Right. And comfortable in this healing journey means we have to get uncomfortable. Right. So if there is a therapist who talks a specific way and it's actually activating you inside, it's super important to go, what is it about that? Why is it activating me? Do I absolutely not like that? It's triggering from my history or is it they're actually getting to my core? They're actually touching on the stuff, right? So you have to pause in that uncomfortability because our first instinct is, oh, it's uncomfortable, run away. Right, yeah. But usually when there's an uncomfortableness, it's like, okay, let's just pause here for a second and go, what about this therapist? Is it helpful or hurtful, right? Mm-hmm. And and doing that and having, taking the free consultations and doing that. But like therapy, counseling, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And I really like part of my thesis is I think all helpers, all therapists should have a therapist. Right. I have my own therapist because if I'm going to ask people to get help, I also need help. I can't do this on my own. I have to stop thinking that I can do this on my own. We have to work together, but that involves being vulnerable. That involves making mistakes. That involves being held accountable. And it's hard, hard work. 
super hard work. So it sounds like a lot of help for the helpers and and what some of what you're sharing in, I don't know if you'd call it your most recommended piece of advice or what you, (laughs) (laughs) but is to like know yourself and know your story. Yeah. And I love that because of course that's something that I help my coaching clients do is like, we're talking about our stories or experience or passion and owning it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. And that's a very personal journey. And it deserves someone really safe to go through that with. And maybe you just start by writing it down. I've become a big fan of journaling. And again, a lot of the things I embrace now, I was super critical and judgmental of them before. I'm like, who needs to journal? I do. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Uh, I've done so much healing through journaling. I've done But but it's not like you're like, dear diary, Jessica bought me a lollipop today. It's more of like today envy showed up when I was out. Today jealousy showed up when I was at the store. Today's, you know, joy came into my life and I hadn't felt joy in a really long time, right? Today Tim Hortons got my coffee order right and fuck that felt good. <laughs> like, you know, and just capturing those moments because then you get to go back and you get to read those parts of your story. You get to own those parts of your story and it puts you in control of your narrative, right? right. Like, look how much work I've, I've done, right? Sure. That's one of the things I haven't said so far, but I really, I always share it. So when I'm not doing therapy, I'm also doing teaching and facilitating, which is kind of ironic that I wanted to be a teacher and I couldn't be, but just like Jessica, I found a way around it. <laughs> I don't need an education degree to teach. Yeah. <laughs> But I've, I've even changed my language from saying I work with people because I don't even know that it's, it's working with them. I actually think about it as I'm walking beside them. I'm walking with them on their journey and inadvertently they're walking with me on my journey. And that's that piece. Like I get to walk with people every day right. and that's, that's the really cool part about it. And every time people learn a little bit more about their story, I'm learning a little bit more about mine. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes funny, you know, but it's about, wow, capturing those moments. And I have consistently been journaling since 2019. I have probably, I don't know, three or four of those really thick books. And I love it. I love being able to go back and go, yeah, look at that, right? Oh, yeah, this season seems to be really hard for me. Oh, look at the things I've accomplished and kind of uh, embrace, like embrace those parts of me. So I wonder if you would have a couple of prompts to share that someone can like maybe journal or ask themselves to get to know themselves even a little deeper, because I imagine people who are listening are, there are already people who are doing the work. They're doing the inner work. They're aware of it. And maybe they've taken some steps in it and maybe they need to go a little deeper. Okay. What might you ask them to, to reflect? Well, I'm going to connect it with my thesis. And because I have had the honors of learning from Indigenous ways of knowing that interconnectedness. And so my thesis was influenced by the four realms of health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health. Um, And in my thesis, which I'll provide the link for you if you don't already have it later, what I recognized was when I, so I did interviews with 12 
professionals or helper social workers at the beginning. And then I did post interviews at the end of the 12 week research project that we did together. And one of the first questions was getting them to define what does physical health mean to you? What does emotional health mean to you? And so on and so forth. So mental and spiritual health, spending time in defining those, because I think we live in a world where we use a lot of language very openly. We just use, we just throw words around, but we don't always know what they mean. So when people in the beginning of my research, for example, when I said, are you taking care of your physical health? What does physical health mean to you? I would say the majority of them said, I know I don't go to the gym as much as I'm supposed to instantly is connected to body shaming and working out, right? But physical health is moving your body intentionally, right? Physical health is, are you drinking water, right? Physical health, and this is, I love talking about this. Everyone gets all awkward about it. Are you pooping and peeing regularly, right? (laughs) People are like, ah, right? But that's a huge indicator that our physical health is not well, Mm -hmm. right? So spending time. So if your readers or your listeners want to do that, like start there in your journal, spend a day. What just like freehanded, I think physical health is and just write it out. And then go read, right? Go read from some people who Google it, figure out what physical health is, and then create your definition of it. Mm. That's part of your story. Now, I believe physical health is this. Right. And then you get to honor it. If society thinks physical health is going to the gym five days a week and you're not doing it, then you're an instant failure. Right. So but it's really you get to decide. Really defining, yeah, what does it mean to me, not what does it mean to society? Yeah. But you have to be honest with yourself, right? Because some people are like, oh, yeah, I just don't move my body. That's just not what I do. That's not me. I, I don't do that. But the reality of it is, is we need to move our bodies to stay healthy. So what does that look like for you? Is that dancing? Is that walking? Is that stretching? Is it swimming? Is it cleaning your house? Is it, you know, yard work? I remember one of the the women in, in the research project so well, she'd come to the group every week and she goes, oh, Heather, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't get to go to the gym this week. I know I feel so bad. And in her example, she said, I was so busy out chopping wood picking medicines, building a sweat lodge, running a sweat lodge. I didn't have time to do any physical health. <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? You've been like, out there all day. Like she was doing physical, but it didn't connect. Right. And so spending time knowing those healths for you, spiritual health was another really important one for me because that one was absolutely not in my life when I was at my lowest and I didn't understand what that meant because I thought spiritual meant religious and religious was spiritual. And so I got really uncomfortable in all of this place. And so I had to sit back and understand what spiritual health meant for me. And the basic way, the most simplest way I can explain it here in this podcast would be the energy, like something bigger than you, but also your values. What are your values? Mm -hmm. And I, it's so amazing. Every time I ask people in my office about this, they go, oh yeah, yeah, I know what my values are. I know what they are. I said, okay, we'll get back to that. And then when we get back there, I say, name your top five values or top 10 or top three. And they can't. Mm -hmm. And then when they start to name them and they start to sit in it and let it sink in, they go, oh, wait a minute. That's my mom's value. Oh, wait a minute. That's what my grandma used to say. I don't know if I believe that. Mm. And so getting to like, what does spiritual health mean to you? What are your values? Mm-hmm. And, and then again, 
the world we're raised in likes to keep physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual very separate from each other. Right very separate. And one of the things I'm so incredibly honored to have learned and felt and done the work in my life is learning how to connect them. They're all interconnected. And that's that indigenous worldly perspective that I've been able to really embrace in my life and obviously have to work on 24 hours a day. But it's all connected. You literally can't go to the gym and work out for an hour without being mental, emotional and spiritual. Right? Yeah. But we try, our brains try really hard to keep it all separate and society wants us to keep it all separate. And so that would be the first thing I would say to your listeners is like in the journal prompts is begin to define the four realms of health, right? And there's financial health, there's sexual health, there's all kinds, and those fit in there. And when you start doing that work, you realize that it's actually all interconnected. And so to embrace that part, and when you're feeling really off in one area of your life, there's a good chance it's impacting the others. So when you haven't had a great sleep, which would be physical health, you're probably emotionally and mentally not great the next day. Right. Right. And people don't connect those. Yeah. That's people really, don't. That's yeah. a really good prompt and an exercise to kind of do even, even every once in a while, right? A check yeah. Check back. That was one of the Are... things that I did for myself as I was going through healing. And I didn't even realize that I was doing this, but I would literally ask myself, how am I doing? How do I feel about things? And it was kind yeah. of weird because I didn't expect it. I, it wasn't like intentional. It was like my spirit just was like, knock, 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 Jessica, yeah. can you check in. Yeah. And I was thinking about that yesterday, actually. I was thinking about what a blessing it's been that all of the things that I do is because I've been given a gift. And the only credit that I can really give it to you is I'm not special. I'm not better than anybody else. I've just taken the risk to honor it. And that yeah. can be a scary thing as well. Yeah. 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 And owning that part and owning right. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still struggling with that one. I have a few mentors in my life, like even doing this interview with you, I'm like, oh, if I do this interview, it's going to be on a podcast and then this podcast is going to go out in the world and then you're going to be exposed, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But the mentors that I work with are like, you need to put yourself out there. Like it's okay to put yourself out there in a kind and humble way. Right. Right. Yeah. But there's still that part that's like, hide your gift. Hide your gift. That's what if right. And that's what if, like, what if it's wrong? <laughs> To everyone who's listening, if you're holding yourself back, like it's, it's imposter syndrome. I always say, yeah. uh, check the board, like check the scoreboard. So this is something that I do with my clients. And I've probably told you this yeah. is, is like making the list of all of the badass things that you've done yeah. on a scoreboard. And every once in a while, looking back at it and just saying, yeah, you know, yeah. and those badass things can be a master's in social work, but it could also be, I survived parenting my kids as a single parent. Yeah. It can be like I be intro to intro to salsa dance lessons that I did two weeks ago for my yay, first time. <laughs> Way to go. Right? It's, it's like, go true. do things. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Like, and, and just like you were saying, creating these four different aspects to define, to get to know yourself. What does that mean? It's also about identifying what's important to you and checking in with that. Yeah. 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 
it's like looking inward, right? It's that mirror that gets held up to you. It's extremely hard work, but you'll also hear a lot of helpers say it's heart. It's heart work. And it's a beautiful journey. And that's one of the things I've learned along my journey as well is, is you have to do the work. If you're going to shortcut it, you're going to, you know, cut corners. That's how your life will be. When you do the work, you get the blessings, right? You get the benefits and it's not always instant. It's often delayed gratification. And again, I think there's a lesson in all of that as well. I think there's reasons for that. And I always like to think I'm like really close to the end of my journey. And then a big, hard fastball comes in, Yeah, which is good, which is good. It's just that what? Ain't that life. It is. It is. Yep. So embracing your story, that connectedness in my thesis, I referenced the medicine wheel, which is an indigenous model and a framework that I was influenced by and had privilege and uh, permission to use in my thesis. And I was guided along that way, but that's not for everybody. And I definitely don't want to sound as if I'm teaching it because there's a lot of stories and teachings behind that, but understanding there's four realms of health for me was really huge and that they're all interconnected and they just ripple out into your life. And when you can operate from a full cup or a balanced wheel, it will actually just naturally flow out to others. It will just flow to them. You don't have to overextend. You don't have to reach, but when you're doing well, you just, that energy just flows to everybody else. And it's, that's that helpfulness, right? It's actually when we're burnt out, empty cup, burned out, uh, tired, grouchy, all those things, like especially as mothers or women, that's what gets thrown out to our families. That's what gets thrown out to the neighbor or the person who cut you off in traffic. The person <laughs> like it's not the wrong coffee order. <laughs> the wrong coffee order. Yeah. And that's the name of my business I actually created, which is a, another story, maybe for another time but I'm, I'm working on having the story captured on my website that should be released soon. And it's my, the name of my business is Radiate Kindness Wholeheartedly Wellness. And that comes from learning how to truly, honestly be kind to everybody, everybody we cross paths with. And that's a really hard lesson because again, society likes to put people in different categories. So if you do this, you're bad. If you do this, you're good. And so when it connects to embracing our story, if you happen to be one of those people who did bad things, you get written off. Mm -hmm. And in the work that I do as a helper and as a therapist, and part of the way the story came to me or my name came to me was, I don't actually get a choice on who comes into my office. When I was working with Manitoba Justice, when I was working with clients from all over, I never really had a choice on who I worked with. I had to work with offenders. I had to work with victims. I had to work with people who had been abused, people who abused other people. And I had to work with them. And so that was a lesson in me. Like, wow, how do you treat people with kindness and just show love? You don't have to tolerate the behavior. You don't have to say the behavior is okay. You don't have to accept it, but learning to love each other, Mm -hmm. like that wholeheartedness. And again, it goes back inwards. Yeah, Because I know there's people listening who have parts of their story that have a lot of shame. Well, you know what? Maybe when they were younger, they, you know, got charged with aggravated assault. Maybe they spanked their kid. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's about name that part of your story, embrace it, mm-hmm. and then start to change the narrative. When we name it, when we kind of pull it out of us, we put light on the shame. And then the shame can't grow anymore when it's in the sunlight. 
It can only grow in the darkness. That's right. Right. So, and I don't say share it to anyone. I say share it very privately and, and specifically to people where it feels safe. But that's part of knowing our story. We need to we need to know the beautiful parts of our story, but we also have to name or kind of process some of those bigger pieces. And, and shine the light on it with someone that you can respect. So yeah. reach out. like one of the things that I that I try to tell everyone is you don't have to do it alone. Like many of us, no. we've tried. Like I've tried to do it alone. Yeah. Right? It's always yeah. better to do it with someone. So yeah. you know, reach out. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share with, with listeners? Well, you asked me if there was a couple of things if I could leave the listeners with like where to start, if they were like, you know, actually I am thinking about therapy. I am thinking about this. So I think the journaling is a really great place beginning to say your story, write your story, just start to share your story a little bit, like written down privately with someone, you know, and care for. But the other piece that I would really encourage people to do is therapy is absolutely beautiful and great. So you can go on Google search and you can type in looking for a therapist for anxiety and like, boom, a thousand names will come up psychologytoday.com has a lot of registered listed therapists in your area. And you can really specifically pick what you're trying to work with or work on like maybe anxiety, depression, trauma. There are lots of wait lists. So that can be a tough thing. But one of the things I would suggest people to do is which I know can be very difficult is to start with your doctor. Start with a nurse, start with a naturopath. Because at one of my very, very dark moments in my life, which was a lot of emotions, sleeping all the time, crying, agitation, irritability, I was starting to think, oh, I think I'm depressed. I think I have depression. But then I battle with like, well, you can't have depression. You're a helper, right? This whole story I would tell myself. And when I finally went and spoke with my doctor and they did some blood work, my iron levels were at about a three or a four. I'm not a doctor. I don't know a lot about this, but apparently iron should be 15 to 150 or there's some sort of a baseline around iron that's healthy and functioning. I was extremely below that, which shows up like depression, anxiety, unable to stay awake, tired, extreme fatigue, agitation. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not depressed. Maybe there's something medical going on. So thyroids, B12 levels. Again, I'm not a doctor, but start with that as a baseline as well so that you can see the whole picture. Right. I think medication can be very helpful, but I don't think it's the first solution. Right. For me and all the work I do with the folks I walk with is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. And then if medication is something they need, like absolutely, I'll never tell people not to. But oftentimes medicine is quick. It's like you have a headache, take a Tylenol. Yeah. Well, if you have a headache, maybe just pause for a second and be like, have I eaten yet today? Right. Have I had any water today? Oops, I haven't had my coffee yet. So I'm actually going through caffeine withdrawal. <laughs> just Perfect. pausing for that minute. So that's sign up for therapy if you want it. Get on the wait list. Do all the free 15 minute consultation calls you want. Look for that like right fit. But it all starts inward. Nobody has the answers for you you do actually have all the answers that you need. They're inside of you. You just need a safe place and safe people to walk along your journey to, to begin to look at them. Process is one of the ways that I say it is to process. Yeah. Process, process. Thank you. That's so ah. wonderful and so helpful. And I always tell people like therapy is so helpful and 
it's not for everyone, but mm -hmm. try it and try different things and yeah. try everything because yeah. healing is a way of life. Healing is a lifestyle. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a lot yeah. of work, but there's so many resources. You don't have to do it alone. There's so much yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much out there. It's just, I don't want to give a false sense that you can just call a therapist, get an appointment for tomorrow. It does take time, right? So, you know, if you're reaching out to a therapist, be prepared for maybe appointment not to happen for two, three weeks, maybe even four. But again, find that fit, do that work because, and you have to show up. That's right. the part of it too. They have to show up and do that. So yeah, it starts, I don't know, starts inwards. Um, that's yeah. got to look in the mirror, literally and metaphorically. You have to look yeah. in the mirror. Thank yeah. you. I, I feel like this conversation has made me feel really like vulnerable. Like I almost, <laughs> I almost want to cry. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of us exactly. that we didn't cry actually. <laughs> it's just like, I think just like acknowledging that feelings are feelings. We hide from our feelings. We want to ignore them. We want to hide them from everybody else. Yeah. But it's life. It's, you know, and that has a lot to do with all the stuff that we talked about. In my office, I say, okay, we're going to talk about the F word. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, feelings. <laughs> feelings. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we do. We try to avoid them all the time. And it was just, it's like, imagine if we could just embrace it for a minute and let it sit there for a minute and then it, let it go through us yeah, and not suppress it. Because if you let it go through you, you're actually metaphorically leaving space for new feelings to come right? As opposed to just stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And the new feelings that come, I want to remind people are called happiness, <laughs> joy, excitement, right? And we forget that those are available to us because we're so worried about anger, sadness, disappointment, shame. And, and so we, we don't let anything in, right? So there's a whole process behind it, but anytime is the right time to start taking the first step. Um, yeah, just keep going forward. And so if people want to hear more from you, which I imagine they do, I'm sure <laughs> CTRI Institute, there's a blog, Self-Care Strategies okay. for Helpers. Um, yeah. We're going to share a link to your thesis. You can find Heather Woodward on Psychology Today. And I will put my website out very, very soon. I'm procrastinating on a couple of things. <laughs> Again, I battle with that, like putting myself out there, but it will be out there and people can email me and call me through those numbers if they have questions or comments. Um, I'm not accepting new clients at this point, um, but it doesn't mean people can't reach out and ask to be put on a wait list or just have a, like even a 15 minute consultation. Um, but I think connection and just even taking that first step is so brave. So brave. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Thanks for having me on here. Finally. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. Okay. Awesome. Talk to you next week, everyone. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the podcast. Miigwech, Ecosse, Merci. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell you that you are worthy. And if something in this message resonated with you, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And send a link to your sister, your best friends, and your cousins, because if there was something in this message that resonated, then they might want to hear about it too. If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story. And don't forget to take me at jesskadumas.ca. Thank you.